0: Welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan and I'm your spirit guide. Tonight in the Mezcal Collective at Las Perlas in downtown Los Angeles, we had erstwhile Mezcal, a relatively new brand to the market. Some incredible artisanal Mezcals that will blow your mind. I'm not even kidding you, incredibly small batches. Yuan G in the house to guide us through it all co-founder, they're based out of Brooklyn, but her heart is in Oaxaca. Be sure to enjoy this podcast responsibly, that means do not spill this mezcal, it is incredibly valuable and magical. If it is spilled, maybe brush it on your dog or cat, they might turn into a magical beast, who knows? Take your chances, cheers to you. Yeah, yes. Oh, see? You think it's weird, but then it feels good, you know what I'm saying? Welcome to the Mezcal Collective, everyone. Wow, this mic is hot, hot, hot. Uh, Glad you all came out tonight. We're gonna have a really good time. We have a relatively new brand to the market in the house and co-founder of the brand here in the States, Miss Yuan Ji is here from Brooklyn. Let's give it up for Yuan. Come over here, you want? I'm, I'm all alone all right, here on you, the Rachel. YouTubes. Thank you, Rachel. Don't I don't want to. YouTube's a cold and lonely place. We gotta like, we gotta stick together <laughs> all here. Right, you got company. All right. Bambino's gonna be pouring it out for us tonight. So give us a little backstory. How did Erstwhile Mezcal come to be? And does everybody know what erstwhile means? Are we clear on that? It means like former, like formerly would be the adverb form, so you could say like it's formerly mezcal, so that Forma- leads-
1: yeah, formerly from an earlier time, an earlier tradition. We ah. wanted a name to have enough gravitas to honor the tradition of uh, mezcal production that's you know been around for hundreds and hundreds of years, generations, uh, and the word itself is hundreds of years old, which I think is older than you, older than me combined. That's right.
0: Yeah, I think Shakespeare made it up.
1: Uh, it's been around since at least Shakespearean times. since the 16th century. Shakespeare made it up,
0: I'm pretty sure that's a Shakespeare word. It's possible. Shakespeare made over 1,500 words that are currently used in the English language. He made them up for the purpose of the stage. Unknown fact, I'm dropping the mic. You guys peace out, I'll see you later. Just kidding, it's the Mezcal Collective. Why am I talking about Shakespeare? Because it's erstwhile. So former, former meaning like the Mezcal of the old world, the Mezcal the way that they used to do it, is that right?
1: Yeah, that's right. And and in this case, it's still the same way that our producers are still making today, that they've learned and refined to, from their grandfathers, fathers, and grandmothers too. It's not just you know uh, one gender, it's, it's a whole family venture and they've been making this the same way, generation after generation, and we wanna honor that.
0: How did, What? when did you start the brand now? How many years ago? You guys are based out of Brooklyn. You started meeting people in, in Oaxaca like it, but that's a long road to figure out like how to get legal and import it into the states and all that so Sure. When did you get started?
1: Sure, um, so By way of background, Earthwell is a Mezcal importer based out of Brooklyn, New York the I have been working on this project for a couple years now and um, By way of personal background, I wasn't always in the Mezcal where wine spirits trade. This really just uh, um, took me a bit by surprise. Oaxaca had a dramatic impact on my life and kind of made 360 degree turns in in several ways. So before Mezcal, I was was practicing law full time, so I was an attorney. So there was a period of time in which I was doing prep work for erstwhile. While still practicing law full time in, in New York,
0: and then you got high on mezcal and you said, "Fuck you guys, I'm out of here."
1: That uh, no. Not not quite in in <laughs> those words or in that spirit. Okay, okay um, no, no. But uh, uh, I, <laughs> well, what's your favorite mezcal?
0: that was my little movie in my <laughs> yeah. head. I don't
1: know. No, I actually I actually liked enjoyed my area of practice. I, I was an antitrust lawyer, which is a idealistic area of practice, and those yeah. values. Um, as an antitrust lawyer, I have carried over to the Mezcal world and some of those values are, you know, it's pro-consumer antitrust law, so it's about making sure there are as many great options as possible for consumers like, like you and me in the marketplace um, getting rid of barriers to entry. And believe me, there are so many barriers between a small family producer in Oaxaca and getting all the way here to, to LA or anywhere in the US. So those values, I always believed in as a person, as an attorney, and I've carried them over to the Mezcal trade because I think we could the, our producers and this trade can definitely benefit from less barriers all around, in both Mexico and here in the US.
0: Right on, they align themselves very obviously then.
1: Abso- absolutely, yeah. That's
0: cool, that's cool. Do you still practice law too?
1: I'm still a licensed attorney. Now I'm just a jack of all trades. I'm running Ursao. I do everything just like all small businesses. I'm also my in-house counsel, so anything that, where you may have to hire a lawyer, um, dealing with different states, uh, liquor commissions, etc., a- applications, reviewing contracts, I do all that myself. Definitely comes in handy.
0: So you went to Oaxaca. You were immediately struck by the magical land of southern Mexico. You started wow. going to different villages. You wow. ran into... Some somebody, a mezcalero, like, how did you first find your first producer family that you wanted to work with? Sure. And, and like, I understand that you guys, you just work independently with different families. And like, some brands go down there and they like, they tie these families into like exclusivity <laughs> sure. contracts. Right. And you guys don't do that. You, exactly. you make it like, hey, we want to help get you guys legal to produce. We'll help you get started here but it's not exclusive, you can do whatever you want.
1: Yeah, absolutely, that's, that's, uh, that really speaks to our impetus for starting a Mezcal project from scratch, is to do something to advocate and promote independent small family producers. Uh, almost the first thing I noticed when I showed up in Oaxaca and started learning about Mezcal is that, is that I was astounded by the quality and the variety and the quantity of great small batches of Mezcal that's just available yeah, throughout the countryside that just have pr- practically zero chance of making outside of Oaxaca, uh, let alone other parts of Mexico, let alone into the U.S. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I, I think they just deserve a much bigger audience uh, in, in the U.S. internationally. Um, it's this kind of, it's a, <laughs> it's a disconnection and kind of cognitive dissonance between, on the one side, there's so much great mezcal in Oaxaca, and then here in the US, there's a Mezcal movement uh, right on the rise. People are getting curious. But even in big cosmopolitan cities like New York, eight out of 10 people are asking good, but very basic questions like, what is the difference between tequila and Mezcal? Or one out of 10 would say, oh, is that the stuff with the warm in it? There's still this uh, preconceived notion of Mezcal being this Mexican moonshine that's uh, not refined that's just so far from the truth so there's basically i saw this disconnect between the astounding excellence and variety in oaxaca and how much room there is for education and general awareness there needs to be in the u.s and the world beyond so she likes the rom- that's the impetus for starting EarthWall, is to be a bridge, to, to do something toward Mezcal education. But to get to your earlier point, Pedro, definitely the impetus for starting this project from scratch was to support those small family producers that we met on our trips back and back again to Oaxaca. And so, is, the, is this
0: first Mezcal the first Mezcalero that you partnered with, or like are we yeah. going kind of out of order in terms of discovery? Which is fine, if we, but I'm wanting to know, is like is this first expression... Your first love, or it was one that you found later, like chronologically, you went to different villages and met with different Chrono- families.
1: Chronologically, it's it's fair to say it was my first love, but uh, it I never fell out of love with it. So this is um, here you oh, go. Thank you. This is uh, our signature Espadine, our line by um, the the Mescalera is Silverio Garcia Luis, and I really hope Silverio or someone in the Garcia family is. Listening to this podcast now, or at some well, point, they must be. We're not live,
0: so we can we can <laughs> okay. send them a link.
1: Okay, they must be. I mean, it's. I'm so proud of Silverio. To, uh, he makes one hell of a espadín, and this and Silverio was, if not the first, almost one of the first producers I ever met in Oaxaca, uh, back when I first showed up in Oaxaca and you know knew less about mezcal and started learning and his espadim made an impression on me back then, um, and it still has, years later. So we are really proud and fortunate and privileged to, to work with Silverio, who's a family friend by now, and bring in the What Italy village is God. this in? Silverio so is based in um, his, he's oh, one and a half hour south yeah. Oaxaca city, Possibly. on the yeah. carretera, yeah. the yeah. highway that rings around Oaxaca. Um, near a village called uh, Rancho Blanco. He's in Rancho Blanco, Guila, but if you Google map it, look up San Pablo, Guila. And he's very close to uh, San Pablo.
0: And what kind of stills is he using? Does he have little copper pot stills, or is he using clay pot stills?
1: Silverio so, uses copper limbic still. Uh, so does our, our other producer that we're working with, who is uh, Juan Hernandez uh, Mendez. The, both producers now in our line use copper alembic still double distillations. But uh, our model, um, getting to your earlier point, Pedro, is to work with as many <laughs> independent small family producers as possible. So these, these are our family friends. They're partners we buy from. But uh, I have to clarify, they are not our employees. And that's right. something we're proud of. That's something right. that's basic to our model going forward is that uh, we want to. Em- our idea and aspiration for how to empower family producers is to let them handle and be set up and equipped as much as possible. Having their own bottling facility, if they're missing permits or uh, license to export, we'll front the investment to get them set up with their permits, front attorney fees, so they are, they're set up and ready to go. If wow, they want to be certified. they're even doing the bottling? Yes, That's both, both producers have their own bottling facilities, wow. which I think is great.
0: That's very unusual.
1: Yeah, it's uh, because it's so. Um, it's very empowering and gratifying for me to to show up, and I'm working there alongside with them. I'm numbering the labels. Yeah, you know, these I'm,
0: are all put on by hand.
1: These are all put on by hand, and a good number of the labels, uh, possibly these bottles, see for. Easily 10 percent, if not more, were put were done by hand by myself and my co-founders. And so wow. that's our model: just be there on the ground, working along with our producers. You know, showing good faith, putting these labels on.
0: So this is the erstwhile Espadín. This is the
1: Espadín, and um, for so for those of you who are tasting um, the Espadín, I always encourage everyone to come back to this Espadín at the end of the evening after having tried everything else because it, my experience that is only gets better as your palate warms up because we're opening with this mezcal. Um, I find that some of the great flavors I love doesn't always come across right away. So I encourage you to give it a chance and revisit it at the end of the evening.
0: So maybe keep a little, don't keep, drink maybe it Maybe keep all. a little
1: bit in your copita we'll compare them, with your glass. Yeah.
0: All right, so stick your nose in that glass, breathe in gently through your mouth. What kind of food words come to mind, or what's your experience of smelling the erstwhile Mezcal Espadin? What do you guys think? Ooh, I get a little banana in here. It's fruity. What else? What else? Maybe a little chili. What are you getting? Bambino? White pepper. Yeah. White, White pepper, pepper, I was getting, yeah, a little bit of spice in there with the banana. Bell
1: peppers. Bell peppers.
0: Yeah. Like Minerally, yes, yeah, mineral aspects. Um, so this is Espadine. Does he have his own patches, or are you guys buying piñas for him, or how is it harvested?
1: We're uh, we're open-minded for now. I think it works very well um, for our producers to—they're the masters at production. Uh, I'm, I'm merely a student and an apprentice. I don't— Presume to buy their agave for them. I'm I'm open to that idea, but for now, both our producers take care of the entire distillation process. So they buy their own agave. They take care of just everything from beginning to end. We give Is them. He a growing con- it
0: himself. Do you know? Like, does he have his yeah. own espadín
1: fields? So both our producers have some land to their own, and they grow a little bit of espadín. Uh, in the case of Juan Hernandez, the other producer you'll taste later on, he's got a little tobala on his land too. Um, But for the most part, to make mezcal in a viable quantity to have enough income to support your families, all the small families producers I've met are buying their agave commercially. No one owns enough land to be completely taking charge of... Agave brokers, Yeah, yeah, you need to go to agave seller, agave broker to buy your agave. So tap some
0: over your tongue, guys. How's that experience changed? The nose is very different from the tongue, obviously. But... uh, what, how does that experience change? Did you tap it over your tongue here? Ooh, that's really good. So it's smoky. Yeah. And I get some like, cool like lime citrus, like sure. lime leaf maybe. What is the uh, wood that he's using to roast his penis?
1: The um, uses pine wood in the worno uh, roasting the agaves. And um, the thing I really like about this espadine, I mean, every producer makes an espadine. So it was the thing that really stood out about Silbera's espadine was that uh, it's very complex. It's not just one or two notes. It's not a one trick pony or it's not a smoke bomb. Sometimes it's got
0: this cool, like verdant greenness to it. It's really very, very deep.
1: There's also this nice um, creamy, buttery quality that maybe is not coming through for you guys Yes, okay. But wait for it. All
0: right, I'm gonna set some aside. Stay tuned
1: and come back. Revisit. See how the experience changes for you at the end.
0: So did, uh, Bambino's gonna come around with the second mark. When you first started seeking out different producers, how did you do that? You just randomly go to different villages or did you have somebody who kind of knew the lay of the land? Did you have a consultant? How does it work?
1: So uh, when I first showed up to Oaxaca, both producers, I Actually met on my very first trip to Oaxaca, taking day trips in Oaxaca, learning about mezcal. At the time, EarthWall wasn't in existence yet. We were really just um, uh, enthusiasts learning about mezcal, and over time, um, we uh, have we kept on making trips back. Thank you, Bambino.
0: Thank you, sir. And
1: tried more and more producers. Um, Exploring different villages, you could once you're used to driving in Oaxaca, you could literally just rent a car and pick a village that maybe is known for mezcal, where you're curious about. You can just uh, drive out, literally poke your head out of the car, and ask mezcal. And chances are, someone will point you somewhere, and it's just a never-ending learning process. Yeah, for So sure. our process for discovering our producers is uh, pretty organic. But I, it would be uh, remiss on my part to not um, mention Alvin Starkman, who is a local. He's um, an expat, but super knowledgeable about uh, mezcal. And our first trip in Oaxaca was, was with Alvin. Uh, he runs a very good tour called mezcal education tours in, in Oaxaca. Oh, wow. That's I think ranked number one or something. Um, out of Oaxaca like that. City. It, out, of, out of Oaxaca City, but he would take you into the into the country with producers that he's built relationships w- with over the years and it's definitely i would not call it touristy at all it was just it was a very authentic educational good That's experience right. so uh definitely it started with uh with alvin for sure
0: what is this second mark that bambino brought around for everyone yeah so
1: um now we are uh, venturing everything after the first espadine that you guys are trying are by a different producer it's the other family that we're working with for this line it's juan hernandez mendez and his family uh, in Santiago Matlan, which is um, known or self styled as the Mezcal capital of, of the world, uh, which is, you know, it's part marketing, but they do have a great density of great producers there. Oh, yeah. uh, it's one about an hour south of uh, Oaxaca City, mm-hmm. driving. Yeah. And this expression is uh, Aruquenio. So, uh, which is a wild agave in the Americana, agave Americana family, right? sometimes known as century plant, um, even though it doesn't- These are old
0: growth. Uh, These take a long time to get to maturity. So, do you know what the age is of some of these Araucanils? Yeah, so
1: Araucanil, you know, there's a range, but I would say typically they grow in the wild and pretty uncommon. This is quite a treat. Uh, Typically about, I would say, safe to assume 20 to 25 years growing in the wild. But I've seen. I recently saw a agave from this same family in Chicago, living in a greenhouse in the at the Garfield Conservatory Park. Uh, it's living in captivity, so to speak, but a cushier life, I would like to think. And I think they live longer when they're in captivity. Chicago is not hospitable to agave, you know, no, given the harsh winters. Windy, yeah. But the, yeah. the greenhouse is climate controlled. So this agave I saw there is flowering as we speak now for the first time in 50, 55 plus years wow. uh, versus 20 to 25 years. Either way, it takes a long time, but it's, it was very fascinating to see it. Flour for the first time in 50 plus years in Chicago.
0: That's crazy. So the Iroqueño from Earthwild mezcal is in your glass. Stick your nose in that glass. What do you guys get off of this one? Very different from the Espadine. It's so green and vegetable. It's amazing. Green and vegetable? It's really good? Yeah. Smooth. Smooth. Smooth is a texture. I want you to think about, like, what's the flavor? What does it remind you of? Poblano peppers. Poblano peppers?
1: I get aloe. Aloe?
0: I mean smooth isn't wrong, that's definitely mouthfeel is a huge part of mezcal, but I want you to also think about like, is it an herb, is it a fruit? Floral. Floral? Yeah,
1: is definitely.
0: It, what kind of, what kind of flower? Like honeysuckle, lavender, rose, yeah go for it, I mean this is a place where as a community we can get a little bit better sense of our own senses, you know, like get better better at your ability to smell. and. Describe it, but but don't be intimidated by it. There's no wrong answers. So, like a really like.
1: yeah. so that's
0: a floral note to me. Like when I think of soap, often I think of like lavender. Um, yeah. But maybe
1: rose, we rose yeah, like
0: rose, yeah. wow. Okay. So oh yeah, it, it is really it is a rose thing. Now that like everyone said rose three times, it's like of course I get the rose because I'm a genius. No, that's the power of suggestion. And like you once you start visualizing it, it definitely comes. Tap some over your tongue. How's that experience changed? What's underneath that rose? And are you proofing your mezcal's down at all? Are you water them down to proof? No, not
1: not at all. Oh wow. Uh, I don't. Ultimately, we always um, defer to the mezcalero. I don't presume to tell them what to do, how to make your mezcal. I think it's presumptuous. But in this case, uh, this is uh, just a natural still proof. This is how Juan uh, likes to make his mezcal. His, and his his mezcal's tend to hover around 44 45% ABV so 89 to 90 proof wow and this is you know this is this
0: is awesome yeah, this, this is, is like dark chocolate and plum yeah. and then like roasted chilies it's got so much going on this is outstanding wow i, yeah, I really
1: love this outcaneo it's it's very pretty this is the most aromatic in our line and uh, there's some the, the botanicals and the floral notes in here really reminding me of gin possibly juniper, but just the, the botanical quality of gin.
0: That's really amazing. And
1: I would love to, and also it's just a night, nice, you know, when you were talking about soap and your once in a year shower earlier. Uh, it, This is like a nice perfume, like a high-end unisex perfume that I would love to wear myself. I hope someone makes a perfume.
0: <laughs> well, that could be yeah. a little side-venture. <laughs> it
1: could be, could be.
0: <laughs> no, that's beautiful. So the Araucanio, because it takes so long to mature, these tend to be very rare of the wild silvestre varietals. Araucanio is becoming really, really hard to get your hands on, as is some tobala. Because they take a long time to mature, it can be very hard to find. This is a really a treat for sure. Yeah, Bambino, what do we have going on next? We got next to the moment. Oh, speak Perfect segue. I have skills. I was just talking about tobola and here comes some now. Oh my God! So Bambino's gonna come around with the little tobulá. So the araucanio plant. Can you describe what that looks like, the folks? Yeah. What does it look like? It's in the americana it's, it's family. A,
1: it's in the americana family. It's a very majestic plant. Uh, it's. It can get very big. Much. Uh, wider than my arms spread out. I'm not sure how many meters it is, easily two meters in in diameter if if not more. Uh, There's a nice representation of, thank you Bambi. There's a nice representation of Aroqueño in the mural in uh, Las Perlas here that I noticed.
0: Thank you, Mr. Gatlin. uh, Gatlin's a great, he's our in-house artist who Made the beautiful. Uh, yeah, I really, I really like that mural.
1: And just to give you some frame of reference, the uh, the agave that I mentioned, that I saw in Chicago last month, that's blooming right now. When I saw it a month ago, the, it was flowering. So the kiote has shot up, and it was so tall they had to remove a glass panel in the greenhouse roof to allow the kiote to grow unobstructed. And when I saw it, it was. Roughly 38 foot long tall and now I assume it's even taller So that gives you some frame of reference to how big and majestic this plant can get
0: So if you guys don't know exactly what she's talking about like so when the When the agave plant starts to go to seed it launches its Quixote so this long pestle that goes super high in the air the reason being is that often agaves that grow in the high desert they need pollinators. They need some way to attract a pollinator to be able to keep growing. One of the ways is through putting up this really crazy tall quixote. Often, agaves are actually pollinated by bats at night. So in the night, in this crazy desert, these bats are flying around. And all they see in their little radar vision are these little quixotes sticking up. And they hit them and spread those seeds around. And that's how the agave survive through these very unique kind of uh, death blossoms, so to speak, to save their species and and press them out into the desert night. It's a yeah, crazy absolutely. Thing. What do you guys think of this uh, tovalah here? Stick your nose in that glass, breathe in gently through your mouth. What food words come to mind or what experiences? It might not be a food word. It could be like, it reminds me of this wet road that I was walking on. Well, that's petrichor, wet earth. That's very common. Those mineral notes. It could be like, it reminds me of um, wet asphalt, or gravel, or something like that. It doesn't have to be a food. What do you guys think? Ooh, this is, I got a little bit of a gravel or, or a petrichor on the For nose sure. here. There's
1: something petrol like in here. Mm-hmm. The thing that
0: jumps out to me about Tobolaz a lot of times is the greenness, because they're such small little agaves. They've got a lot of that kind of like fronds, like the outside, their skin is like, there's not a lot of fleshiness to yeah. them. They're almost all like skin. They're very dense. So I often get these like really intense green notes from them, you know, like like fern or nopales or roasted bell pepper or roasted serranos. You know, those kind of vibe. What are you guys getting? Tap some over your tongue. Share your experience, please. No wrong answers. Ooh, that, I get that gravel. I get some like chocolatey notes in here, too. Babina, what do you get from the Chobala? It's weird, umami-like, or spiced ham. Spiced ham, the first thing I got on the nose was kind of like a hammy note, yeah. like there was this like...
1: I definitely get a savory quality now. Um, normally when I, so you know, the experience you get from one mezcal can change depending on where you are and what you've had before. Yeah. Oftentimes I get a lot of banana, so that's always my default tasting notes for this. T- this evening, for whatever reason, I'm not experiencing the banana but I, I'm sure it's, it could just, just be the, the margarita I was sitting, uh, sipping right. on before, or the expressions I had before, but... Um,
0: I'm getting like, typical. maybe grilled pineapple in there mm-hmm. on, in, in fruitiness, maybe some lime, like lime peel. I mean, like, that is a beautiful mezcal. Damn, you found some good ones. So who's making the tobala? Is, so
1: the everything starting with the aroqueño, the tobala, and then the the next two expressions you will try are all by the same producer, who's Juan Hernandez Mendez okay. in Matalan. And Silverio uh, is the producer who just made our Espadin at the moment. So those are the two producers. And...
0: Because you don't require an exclusivity contract, Correct. is someone else making, getting mascots from these same producers that you know of?
1: Uh, not that, in terms of brands, not that I'm aware of, so, you know, that goes Maybe to, it's
0: being sold in, in Mexico. They, they
1: definitely, so that goes to our model. So we, we are very proud that our model is to not ask our producers for exclusivity. We don't ask them for volume discounts. Essentially, our definition of fair dealing, fair trade, which is one of our core values, is essentially to say, okay, Juan, Silverio, whoever the producer is, we really like this expression you made, we want to bring the whole batch. How much do you want for this batch? They'll quote us a price per, per liter, per, per whatever, and we'll just bring it in. We'll pay them the price that they asked for. Uh, if we can afford it, we don't bargain. Because we, it's it's hard work as it is. It's kind oh, of we so don't. Much hard work. It's kind of like we don't bargain. If I were to buy art, I don't bargain for art. It's this that same concept. So. Um, well,
0: that's a beautiful thing. People don't understand like how much work goes into this. Some of these producers, it could take a month to gather gather enough peanuts to do a batch. It could take three weeks for that batch to ferment after it's been roasted and then juiced, essentially. And then once that fermentation's happened. They have to work like 24 hours a day on these little pot stills to actually make the batch. So it could take like six weeks, eight weeks to come up with maybe 300 bottles, 500 bottles. Yeah. I mean, a big producer in a, a Palenque sense might be a thousand bottles. Do you know how big your batches are running?
1: Yeah, so I know the ex- exactly how many each of our expression is. And that speaks to one of our core values, which is transparency. We don't hide our produce, who our producers are, their location. We try to disclose as much info as possible. And if you see our bottles, you can always turn to the back label. And it, it includes the most important and basic info that we can fit on the back label. There's more on our website. Starting first and foremost with the star behind the show, the, who the producer is, what village, what part of Oaxaca they're based in, how many liters for the total batch we're bringing in, type of um, still they're using. So down to their physical location in Oaxaca, if you want to go to Oaxaca, go drive, find the producer. That's really the best way to support these producers. So um, most of our our expressions in our flagship line are pretty tiny batches, Um, as little as 100 liters. For our our Espadine Capón by Juan, it was 100 liters, about 130 bottles. That's all we brought in. And it's essentially gone. It's essentially sold out. Um most of these expressions about five hundred liters, five, six hundred liters more or less. Um, the, the cliche was two hundred, the anakin, which you will try the end, is a little less than four hundred liters. That wow. speaks to our
0: production. So are you guys price. keeping up with this here? But this is serious, like a hundred bottles a month's worth of work. How much is it the bottle price in my local liquor store? Do you
1: know the the bottle price, the
0: bottle price, yeah, it's
1: going de- to depend on the expression. The, the first Espadin you tried retail will run somewhere between 55 to 60 dollars on average per bottle. Um, the, the wild agaves, um, as is common for the market in general, will be, will be pricier, maybe around 110 120, uh, which it's not cheap, but I can assure, assure you it's, it's well worth it. And most of that is. Cross, getting like crossing the barriers to entry and getting it to an individual consumer like you. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's expensive it's, it's to bring it to market. It's lost in the bureaucracy and the, the red tape of getting it to, to you. And if there's
0: only a hundred bottles, you have to understand that like the bottle price is going to be higher. It's extremely rare, hard to make, and hard to bring to market.
1: And I think that's also just. Part of the beauty that, that I was thinking about this capon, which is a, you know 130 bottles that we brought in, it's essentially sold out now, and and but it's it's shared with consumers like you guys, enthusiasts all over the country, not just in you know big fancy markets like New York or or California. My dream was always to share great mezcal with people all over the country, all over the world if possible, and it just. It's very touching to me. It's very beautiful to me. I can literally track down. It's like, okay, a case went to Colorado last week, just now. You know, there are 17 bottles that went to California. It's small enough. And, you know, we're a small business that I can track exactly how many, who's getting how many bottles of this tiny batch. And it's it's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah.
0: And it's a newer brand to the market, so I'm sure you still are in your honeymoon period. Now, hopefully you guys will be sustainable for many, many years to come, and hopefully you will still always have that yeah, joy.
1: Thank you, I hope so. I mean, so far that's been the case. I, I hope I will always have that joy.
0: So Bambino's coming around with our fourth expression. This is the, which one's this one?
1: This, I believe, is the ensemble. Oh, cool. So it's a blend of two wild agaves, Temestati and which and producer, and
0: this is all Juan Hernandez-Mendez? This is Juan Hernandez. we're
1: still with Juan. Thank you, Bambi.
0: So, an ensemble, can you explain what an ensemble is to someone who might not know what that means?
1: Ensemble is spelled exactly the same uh, way as ensemble in English. It's really just a mix, a blend, right? A very broad word. Any combination of different, any different species of agave, you can make an ensemble. So, it begs the question, well, what's in the ensemble? Really, any agaves. In this case, it's a it's a blend of two wild agaves, tempestate and tobala. I always love trying this expression right after the tobola you tried. It's good for comparing and contrast because uh, so the tobala you had was 100 percent tobala, but this ensemble is equal parts. It's half tempestate, half tobola. But wow. it's very different from the tobala, yeah, yeah. and these it's also a very interesting blend because these two agaves are so different in personality so different in appearance, so different in really any way I can think of. It's a marriage of opposites. I will let you guys savor and think about how it's different from the tobala that you just tried. So but stick your nose in that
0: glass, guys. Breathe in gently through your mouth. What is the experience?
1: It's definitely less Definitely less. I, mean, it's not, I still get it. Okay, Bambi is saying there's less umami on the um this ensemble. And yeah, this the um- is really
0: earthy for me. I'm getting like kind of a potato note, like when you cut open a raw potato, that's starchy. And that might be from the tapestate. What are you guys getting?
1: Spice spice?
0: What kind of spice? Cinnamon, clove, that kind of vibe, or is it like pepper? Chili?
1: Is a s- is it sweeter or drier than the tobala you just tried?
0: Yeah, you might have to drink some. Tap some over your tongue. Ooh. Oh my, I get like Yum. fruitiness too. I get like apple, like red apple. Yeah. Along with that chili. Luis, what are you getting on this one? Almost like the gusano flavor. Gusano, like, like, yeah. The, like, yeah, like yeah, gusano, absolutely. But, like, have, like, infused, like, That's really good. So yeah, like gusano is the worm, the worm salt that they use. So it's like a chili salt, which is a mineral, and then the, the body of the gusano, which to me is like an earthy nuttiness. I don't, I don't know, it's weird for it to describe a worm like a nut, but I think the gusano thing has a little bit of a, a proteinous nuttiness to it. I don't know how to, it's like a, it's a light alkalinity, it's, it carries the chili. How do you guys like this ensemble from Erstwild Mezcal? That is beautiful.
1: Thank you. I think so too. I mean, How
0: much I is the is and the and ensemble it. running?
1: Retail price. Yeah. It's the same as the other wild agave. Okay. so about. But a you hundred don't hundred put
0: espadine in your in your ensemble. That's kind of interesting.
1: Uh, you know, again, i we I our models would defer <laughs> to the masters. I'm not opposed to have a espadine or any species in the uh, in the ensemble, but first and foremost, we have to love the mezcal. In this case, we fell in love with with this ensemble, and before oh, you know, it's not oh. in our. And if we love it, there's no point to dictate. Oh, you should put it. Whatever. Uh, it's got like
0: funny. rich, like floral and berries on the finish. I'm getting like blackberries. Yeah. Blackberries and honeysuckle. I really love this
1: ensemble. Caramel is beautiful. Because I get a bit of a roller coaster experience yeah, out definitely. of it because the the dry spicy notes have it's tempestate forward. So even those equal parts, you taste the tempestate first, and it's, tempestate has a strong personality, so it just comes out. It's like tempestate high and dry, and then it dips a bit lower and expands into the tobola, which is sweeter, has a fuller mouthfeel. So compared to the tobola you just tried, which is sweeter, rounder, it ends on those notes. For me at least, that's the experience I'm getting out of this, but obviously everyone's palate is different.
0: It's beautiful, for sure. So Bambina's coming around with our fifth mark, how long are we, what's going on? How many marks are we going through tonight?
1: We have five. Five. All right. So this is
0: the final mark is coming around. This is amazing. Uh, I'm not complaining. I'm just like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> what's this fifth one, You want? This
1: fifth one is very special, uh, very exciting. It's in the akin, which is an agave from the Yucatan.
0: I've never heard of this variety. Yes, you're not
1: alone. I never heard about this agave species before I tried it and started learning. Thank you, Bambi. This is, to the best of my knowledge, the first commercially available artisanal uh, mezcal made from Anakin agave that's commercially available in the United States.
0: Okay, but like to think about this just because it's Anakin, okay. that Ooh, so good. means Ooh. something down in Oaxaca because there are so many indigenous languages that are different from each other. Sometimes, village to village, they call the same agave plant by different names. So is this called something else in other places? This is not
1: called something else by another name to the best of my knowledge in the context that you're talking about. This is definitely an agave from the Yucatan Peninsula that's indigenous to the Yucatan that does not grow in Oaxaca. It doesn't grow in any of the other mezcal-producing regions. Um, so this is a bit of a, it's a very rare, it's a unicorn. And the there's a very interesting backstory to how did Juan Hernandez in Oaxaca even come across this agave, let alone make mezcal from it.
0: Let's segue right into that story. Okay, how that, did that happen? So
1: the story goes that this agave grew up in the Yucatan, was harvested, went was on its way to Jalisco. Uh, as you are probably aware, there's high demand for agave of all kinds, not, not just Blue Weber, but all kinds of agave in Jalisco because of tequila that's driving up. Demand for all agaves. Yeah, the, teca- uh, the
0: tequila thing is so strong that they're having to get their agaves from wherever right. they can.
1: Apparently, they're bringing agave from the Yucatan among other places, including this Anakin. Once it got there, it it was it broke the machine, the shredder. So I was told. I wasn't there in person. So one
0: sounds like a hard plant.
1: Uh, yeah, which is which is an interesting point because this plant traditionally is used for fiber, but. It's better known for fiber rather than spirit not a, when it's. It's a juicy out.
0: agave, like a beautiful little tobola, which no, you, just, you can sense it's that something juicy, in there. It's not a juicy,
1: easy-going as I'm It's a tough, spunky um, agave from the Yucatan. Super
0: fibrous.
1: Very fibrous, but the fiber comes from the leaves. But one can only imagine the pina is also fibrous, more fibrous on average, I would imagine, than a typical agave. So it broke the machine once it was in Jalisco, uh, was rejected probably, so to speak, came out of Jalisco, and somewhere along the way, Juan, our master mezcalero, founded, and he, you know, Juan's always experimental. That's one thing that I really love about Juan. He, he was just like, oh, yeah, I've never worked with this agave before, but yeah, sure, I'll, looks promising. I'll make mezcal from it. What does it look like? Uh, a picture's worth a thousand words. I highly encourage you to Google image it. How I would describe it in words how is that- How do you
0: spell it? If I was gonna Google it, I need to know how to spell it.
1: And kin H-E-N-E-Q-U-E-N, with the emphasis on the last E, but-
0: Bambino's on it. We're gonna have a picture. Anakin, I wanna be able to describe it because I've never heard it, of this one it before. It looks
1: not, it looks similar to Espadine, how you imagine the angle of the leaves coming out, but I would say the most, the distinguishing feature of Anakin compared to Espadine is that the piña, the root, is more exposed. It's kind of more, like, at the, at the bottom, there's a naked part of the piña that you see exposed without any leaves. Almost like a trunk or a stalk? It's like a, like a naked stalk. Um, wow. And it's in a different a different scientific family from, uh, from Espadine. It's not angustifolia. It's like this. It's like oh, a more pronounced, yeah. obvious pineapple. It's kind with, of a uh,
0: mix between... Yeah, it does look like a gigantic pineapple. Or or it looks like a barrio kind
1: of?
0: Similar to a barrio, but not as long of a trunk, yeah, but bar- with bar- a big, bar- huge top on it. Like, But it's also the, in a
1: different family. Barrio, yeah. it's not like a Karwinski like barrio. No, it looks not,
0: different yeah. from it it looks, a barrio because it it it's got like a bigger head on it. It's in
1: the four coitus scientific family, which is its own distinctive wow. family, to the best of my knowledge. Uh, so very interesting, just...
0: So the anakin, what do you guys think of this one here? Taps them over your tongue. What do you think? No wrong answers now. Starchiness comes Starchiness? I got like baking flour. Baking flour. Baking flour,
1: nice. Yeah, like I think that speaks to the minerality. I get a lot of clay and minerality from, from the anakin. And um, also salinity. Like more so more than any of other wands mezcals, there's this it's really saltiness. drying on the yeah, palate. Yeah, dry and sal- salty, slightly salty. That since it's the same producer, same village, same natural fermentation, I think that only speaks to the terroir where it's coming from and the agave. Wow. But it's I can only imagine this agave came from somewhere close to the coast in Yucatan. My, it's, it's like. The, the, my imagination, right? I wasn't right. there, but it's the salinity that reminds me of the coast. It smells like the sea when yeah, I open the it's bottle. it's
0: salty. It's beautiful. That's really amazing. And there's like a corn me.
1: quality in this that it's like yeah. cornmeal. Where atole, if you drink atole, or corn yeah, whiskey. Yeah, you're saying
0: baking flour, but I, I get like kind of not masa, but something yeah. in that world, corn, like corn. Really amazing. Wow. What do you guys think? erstwhile mezcal right does anyone have any more questions for yeah please Yuan it's, it's really
1: all conversational and completely open to all questions uh, question. so, yes noticed, bambi
0: so i've just been noticing right here in the back of the bottles that yes
1: four of them are from mezcalero juan that's right that's right
0: so are, do you have plans in the future of reaching out to
1: other yeah yeah absolutely so our model is to work with Independent small family producers, not just these two. We, whom are we already know, but as many as possible going forward. So, if you or friends, anyone in the trade, have producers who are interested in exporting, who want to grow their businesses,
0: Jay Stapleton.
1: Uh, we're, you know, we're all ears. That's our model. It's not. It's always to. to it's to support small family uh, producers to be a platform to get them to export introduce their great Mezcals to the world over, so. Um,
0: That's more definitely. than all ears, that takes noses and tongues as well. Yeah,
1: so to answer your question, definitely, you, we're interested too. in working so, out with our producers, maybe.
0: <laughs> you guys, let's give it up. Sh- Yuanji, Erstwhile Mezcal. Thank you guys so much, thank Amazing. you for coming. Amazing. You. These are some incredible spirits. So check it out, get a bottle for your home bar, incredibly small batches. So that means every time you go to the liquor store and see Erstwhile, It's probably going to be different because there's so incredibly small batches. Thank Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. This show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide Soc. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more.